let's open up in prayer over the scripture that we're going to be in tonight. Two short passages of text, but before that, a little bit of context, just to kind of get us back in the groove of things. Um, let's open up in prayer. Lord, I thank you again for allowing us to come into this place. I pray that as we gather together as your people, that the time that we spend together, we would spend pouring out the truth of who you are into one another's lives with the various gifts that you've blessed each of us individually with. Lord, if there's anyone here who uh, thinks, well, I don't know that I have a gift, or I don't know that my gift's being used properly, I just pray that you would show them that you have given as your Holy Spirit desires to each and every person so that they can be uh, effectively used, and I pray that we would just have our eyes open to that, and that as we come together as a church, that this would be more than just a social gathering, but it would be a means of edifying one another uh, in all ways uh, that you've given to us to do that, so that as we go out into this world, uh, that we could be effectively used for you. Uh, Lord, now as, uh, as I preach from your word out of Romans, I pray that uh, you would seal my lips that I speak nothing of myself, um, but that your Holy Spirit would speak and move in our lives uh, to just give us strength and hope and, and uh, give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding, uh, not just so that we could have it, but so that, again, we could be useful for you in your purposes and in your plans. I thank you for Christ and for the cross. It is in His name and for His glory. Amen. Alright, so again, like I said, tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're going to cover two new passages of text. Chapter 8, verse 26. Chapter 8, verse 27. Um, I am very much encouraged that there actually are people who came back tonight after last week. Um, I know I can be long-winded, and wow, last week was a long one, okay? So, so um, I just want to say, uh, it was a record, yes, I've, I've had that pointed out on numerous occasions, and as I was copying it down and putting it online, I thought, oh my word, like, you know, I've always said, like, how many of y'all, like, straight up, like, you can watch a movie and you got no problem, like an hour and a half, you know? Um, Lord of the Rings type movies, right? Like those like four hour long ones, even movie buffs, you have a hard time with those, right? Um, y'all give y'all, sometimes I think y'all cut yourselves, don't give yourselves enough credit. Like I'll hear y'all say, I don't, I don't know that I can do it, but maybe like 15 minutes. Y'all did 15 minutes plus an hour and a half, the ones that, you know, <laughs> last week. So, um, and I know that you were paying attention because I've had many of you that have come up afterwards and asked me very specific and detailed questions about particular passages of text. And I thought, huh, like they, they didn't just phase out in the first 15 minutes. And I went back and fact, so if you've come up to me and been like, hey, ask about a particular question from last week, I've probably gone and looked at what point in the sermon last week we looked at that. Every single one of the questions, this is why I say give yourselves more credit than you do, every single one of the questions that I've been asked were from an hour and 15 minute on, right? So that's a pretty big deal because we live in a generation where, you know, if you don't get somebody's attention within the first, like, five to ten minutes, like, you've, you've lost them and they're gone. Like, we have attention spans that are non-existent, but I want to say that God's Word works in us and moves. Um, so I was encouraged by that, but tonight will not be 
uh, that long. And then I say that, and I'm probably jinxing myself, right? <laughs> if it's that long, then it was the Lord and not me, because I'm looking at two passages of text, and I'm like, we'll be out in like 15 minutes. So, um, <laughs> that's why they sent you there. <laughs> mom is the one that will tackle me tonight. <laughs> it will be less violent if mom does it than if anybody, if anybody else were to tackle me, right? <laughs> that's too much. That's too much. All right, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. That's it. And there's, there's, it's covering a very narrow span of of uh, kind of a, a, a very narrow topic tonight, essentially the Spirit and how the Spirit helps us. But I want us to step back first and kind of see what we've been doing up to this point. So if we could just step back shortly uh, for just a brief moment, back to chapter 8, verse 15. I want to read verse 15 because it's going to play into what we looked at last week, what we're going to look at tonight, and kind of what we've been digging into up along the way. So, um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have re- received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So, one thing that we've been looking at, and, and we kind of took a, a short hiatus from it last week to kind of uh, dig into to particular hope that we have, um, but we've been talking about specifically the Spirit and how the Spirit, as believers, helps us in this Christian walk that we have. And we're going to be returning back to that tonight. But what we've done along the way, and I want us to step from that. So in, in chapter 8, verse 15, where we see this idea of the Spirit that's been given to us, the one thing that I want us to see is this Spirit is not a, one of being timid. It is not one of fear, like we as Christians should not be walking in fear. We should be walking in hope. We should be walking in power, right? And I will say walking in power, even if you had to lay down your life for Christ, which in the, in the scheme of the world and the way that the world looks at power, if you die at the hands of another, the world would say that's less than powerful, Right? But what I want to tell you is that as a believer, in the, in the very depths and in the moments that are the hardest pressing in on us, the power that we have is one not of natural means, but one of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be partakers in death even, in the way that Christ laid down His life. And, and Christ laid down His life, right? His life was not taken from him, but he laid down his life for us. So too, the Spirit is given to us as believers, and we walk in power, right? And I want to be very clear that the power that we walk in, let us not think that it is us, right? So when I tell you that you walk in power, what I'm not telling you is that you of your flesh are powerful, right? We're going to find that you are, in fact, weak. But it is in your weakness that you are strong because in your weakness you see the strength that the Spirit provides. And I'm going to probably end tonight giving you a specific example that I've used in the past, um, specifically gearing around what God had done for me as uh, my wife and I lost our second daughter, Allie, um, and how God 
worked in through his spirit and through uh, the truth that we're going to look at tonight in a very particular way in Romans chapter 8 and 18 and how he had had me studying in that to strengthen me and to prepare and, and to uh, shape and mold through that. So the one thing that I want to point out, so 15 we've covered, 18 now we get to, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. From this, we launched into last week's like super sermon, right? Which was like an hour and 47 minutes or so from start to finish. And in that, what I wanted us to do is I wanted us to examine this hope that we're looking forward to. And it is a two-fold hope, right? So for those of you who might have phased out, the two-fold hope that I want us to see is that your hope is in something very, very real, right? And when I say real, I mean real. Touch it. Feel it. Taste it, right? Like what God did in Genesis 1, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. In the resurrection, he is not going to in the resurrection say, well, that was good, no more, right? There's, there is a hope for a restoration of creation, right? So we as believers look forward, one, when we look out and we see the beauty that we have, and this is what I wanted to really get across to you last week, is that when we look at Christ and we see in Christ, in the resurrection, these, this first fruit, this body that we're going to have in Him, there's a lot of places that we can go and we can think and we can consider about what we see in Christ. The one thing that we know is it is something very real. They saw Him. They walked with Him. They talked with Him. They ate with Him. Right? So what I want us to get as Christians is that our hope is not for something less than what we have here. Right? So oftentimes, and I, and I say this because I myself, much of my early Christian walk, I thought, when we get there, it's going to feel less than this. Right? Like, my understanding at that time was such that I thought that eternity was going to feel like, I mean, y'all felt like last week was an eternity in here, some of y'all, I'm sure, right? And we think, like, that eternity will look like that, where you'll be sitting in a pew or, or fluttering like Casper, and it will be something less than this. Right, And we know that this is true because if we truly believed that the colors would be brighter, that the tastes would be greater, that the smells would be more wonderful, that the sights to be seen would be greater, then we would not put all of our eggs in this basket on this side of eternity. Right? That's the kind of gospel that I want to lead you guys towards. That the resurrection of Christ tells us that on the other side of the grave, we hope for more than something hyper-spiritualized. Right? That when you die, you will go to be with Christ. And Christ will bring you with Him into the new creation. Right? That's the hope that we have. Our hope is in a resurrection. A real and true resurrection. Right? We're in this. God renews and restores. And our hope for eternity 
is something to actually hope in. Right? So this is that. So one, creation restored to part of that, and even what I would say is the, the first evidences of this happening is Christ is raised truly in body for eternity to be with us, to walk with us. You will walk and talk and commune for eternity with your Creator. This is the hope. Right? This is the hope that you have. You will be raised to life. You will be raised to life. So in this, believers, we look forward even in the midst of our suffering. Do y'all follow me in that? Do you, do you see why that is encouraging to those who suffer? In every way that one might suffer, this is encouraging news that God is able, and we see the first fruits of it in Christ Himself, to make right what sin has corrupted. Right? And, and pushing forward to the truth that God is in fact working all things together for His people. This is where we're pushing towards. We're not going to get there tonight. We'll touch on that next week. But I want you to be looking forward to that. Because one of the things, and it's, there's kind of a two, two-pronged attack that I think Paul wants to give to us as believers in this life that we can hold to as we walk forward in this life. One is a sure hope, right? That's what we covered last week. A sure, real, true, better hope than what we have now in the midst of our suffering. The second is in the midst of the weakest days, He is with us, driving us forward to the hope that we cling to. Y'all got me? Y'all with me? So far, this is where we're at as we get to this particular passage of Texas. Paul has given us this hope in 18, that the glory that's to come is going to outshine the suffering that we face today. He's given us a glimpse... In the, in, the, in the scripture following verse 18 there, up to verse so 19 through 25, giving us a glimpse of this hope that we have. It's in this hope that we've been saved is what the scriptures say. If we go to verse uh, 24, for in this hope we were saved. What hope is that? A hope of a restored creation. A creation that today we see the groanings of it. A creation that was subjected to the curse, subjected to the fall by God Himself in hope that we would see in the work that He's done, in the subjection that God has placed upon creation, that we would see that there's something better coming for us. Right? And it is in this hope that we have been saved. So, if you'll turn with me now to verse 26. We'll just read, actually, let's just do 24 and then 25 following it. For in this hope we're saved. Now hope that has been seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So I want to say wait patience, patiently. And you'll say, well, how can I wait patiently when it seems that all the world is pressing in against me at this moment. So Paul says, hope. Patiently await the hope that you have as you endure suffering. And then verse 26, likewise the Spirit 
helps us in our weakness. Okay? I want to read it again. And I, w- I, want you to g- I want you to get... See, sometimes I think we can get maybe desensitized to amazing truths. We've, we've lived it, we've, you know, we experience it, and we, and we don't maybe sometimes grasp the weight of these things. So I want to read it one more time, and I want you to know that the truth that I'm about to read, these simple words hold for you, right? As an individual, they hold for you. In the midst of your weakness, when you feel that you have no more strength, these words hold for you. When you feel that you are going to break, these words hold for you. When you feel that the scripture that says you may be persecuted or not abandoned, when you think, I feel abandoned, this truth holds for you. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, right? And here's what I want to tell you. This is absolutely true. And I want to also say to you that there may be times where it doesn't feel true to you, right? This is what happens when we're pressed in on. But here's what I want to tell you so that you can hold to this. Hold to the hope that you have in the resurrection and hold to the fact that when you are weak, The Spirit will help you in your weakness. Right? Know that it's true. Place this in your mind. Place this in your heart. Tell it to yourself again and again and again. When it feels like it's weighing in to the point that you're going to break, I want you to know that the Spirit has got you. I want you to know this. I want you to know this. The text that we're looking at here, right, is leading us to 828, which all of you know, right? The text that we're looking at tonight is leading us there, right? So I want you to know that it's going to work out for your good, even if it weighs down on you and you feel like you are being crushed and suffocated on every side. The Spirit has you. You are His. He came for you. He saved you. He keeps you. When you are at your lowest, He has you. And He is working in that for you. This is a truth that you need to hold on to. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So I want you to see something else in this, is that as we, as we, look, at this, as we look at this scripture and we consider how it is that we as Christians walk in this life, one thing I want you to get is that you should be in constant prayer. And I want you to also know that it is okay that at times you have no clue what to say. Right? Because I want to tell you, absolutely, you will run into times and trials and situations in your life where you will be speechless at the circumstances. Speechless. I don't know how this came at me. I don't know why this came at me. 
I don't see how it could work for good. I don't see how it could work for good. But I know what God has said to me about these things. So pray. Even if you don't know what to say. There have been many prayers that I've laid up that have been nothing but tears. Nothing but tears. Not knowing what I ought to say. Not knowing what path I should choose. How many of you been there? You don't know. I don't know if this seems like it could be right. This seems like it could be right. And I don't know what I should do in this circumstance. And I surely don't want to mess it up. I don't want to pick the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. But I don't know which one to pray for. I don't know which one is the best of circumstances. You don't know what you ought to pray, but the Spirit knows precisely. And not only does He give you strength in the midst of your weakest moments, but when you come before God and you're, you're silenced before Him, the Spirit speaks boldly on your behalf. The Spirit speaks boldly on your behalf. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Know that. Don't just read Scripture, right? Don't just read Scripture. I, Dustin in class and I said a, said a particular phrase that, that I thought was, was, was excellent. Don't master Scripture. Let Scripture master you. Right? I'm sure he quoted that from somebody. Um. <laughs> He'll listen to <laughs> I know you quoted that from somebody, does it? Just let me know who it was. <laughs> it was good. It was good. But there's a, there's a central truth in that, that we can approach Scripture as a thing to do. Right? And when we dig into these things, what I want you to do is let it sink into you. Right? Let it weigh in on you. This is why I'll say things like, know it to be true. Know it to be true. Right? This is why I'll repeat that again and again and again. You're like, why in the world does he say something like, know it to be true? Right? Like, when I say know it to be true, I'm not talking just about simple head knowledge of it. I'm talking about life is pressed in on you. And you've come out the other side and you know the truth. Right? Because here's many of you, I've, I've read the things that you wrote down as the trials and the sufferings that you've gone through. Some of you may, in fact, still be enduring some of these trials. Have these trials not shown you something about who God is? The faithfulness of the God that you serve to sustain you in the midst of your trials. The more we're tried, the more we know it to be true. Do you follow me there? Like the more we're tried, the more we know the truth because we've experienced the truth. Right? So when I tell you, I want you to know these things to be true. I want the Word of God, the truth of God's Word to be embedded in your lives in such a way that as you go through them, you repeat back the Scripture. Because here's what I want to tell you. In the hardest trials that I've gone through, when I had no words to say, I would just repeat Scripture. And I would say, God, I know it to be true, but I want to know it more. 
Right? I know these things to be true because I read them and I believe them, but I want to know it more. All that we endure in this life is leading us to a deeper understanding of the God who has redeemed us. And I, I don't know how to say it so that it would be clear, except for to tell you that there's nothing that you will endure on this side of eternity that you will not give Him praise for on that side. And I know when I say that, that there are dark things that have happened to many. I know that. But then I see the cross and I see the darkest day in human history. And I know that God did it on purpose. And you and the change that's taking place in each and every one of us as believers is the direct result of that day. You can know God and experience God now because of what Christ has done. So know it to be true. Know these things to be true. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Know that He does. Know that He will. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Know that when you have no clue what to say, that the Spirit is interceding with God on your behalf. He intercedes with groanings too deep for words, verse 27. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So I want you to know this, that as the Spirit is interceding on your behalf, the things that you have, the things that you need, the things that you don't even know that you should be praying for today, God knows and the Spirit is interceding with God for you. This is an amazing truth about the life of a believer. Is that there are trials that you have yet to go through. That God knows are coming for you. And He is today preparing you for them. He is praying for your strength. He is praying that you do not fall. He is praying that you hold on to the end. He is praying that you finish the race. And do you know what happens when God prays on our behalf? Do you think He answers His prayers? Absolutely. Without question. God answers those prayers. So this is an amazing truth for us that God is praying for us on our behalf. Next week when we get in to 28, what we're going to see is that all that He's doing, He's doing for our good, right? Like He's working all things together. So know that in the midst of His praying for you, all that He has in store for you is good. Absolutely good. And that is a true statement even if you are in the midst of the fiery furnace. Right? Know that to be true, that even in the midst of that, it is for your good, right? Even if your story is not one of walking out of the lion's den, but being tossed into the lion's den and being devoured, in the end, it is good. And this is why we can hold to that truth even in the midst of the worst is because the resurrection answers those things. Right? Death has no power over us because our King who is 
coming holds the keys to death. You will live with your king for eternity. You will. And he who searches the hearts, God knows your hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here's, a, here's I want us to dig into this, this last piece, and y'all believe it or not, we're almost done. <laughs> we are. When the Spirit prays for you, like, I know that there's a lots of things that you would desire, and they may or may not be good for you. But when the Spirit intercedes for you, when the Spirit prays for you on your behalf, everything that He prays for you is for your good. Because it is in accordance with the will of God. And that is the measuring stick by which we measure what goodness is. God's will is good. Because God is good. Know that to be true. Know that to be true. So as the Spirit prays for us, the Spirit prays and intercedes according to the will of God. And God's will for you, as we're going to see next week, is absolutely good. And as we're going to see in the weeks preceding that, death nor life, powers, no principalities, nothing, nothing can cause His will and His plan for you to fail. So I want to, I want to end on a kind of a practical note about this particular passage of text and, and how as I reflect on this passage of text and I reflect on a particular account that I've shared with you in the past that, that I see this uh, that I see the truth of this text as it has played out for me in my life. And I've told you all, oh, y'all know my life and the things that my wife and I have gone through as we lost our, as we lost our daughter. And I've told you how before this, God had me in Romans chapter 8 and 18. Like these are all things that if you've been here for certain sermons, messages that you've that you've heard these things and you know these things uh, because I've told them to you. But I want you to know this as I reflect back on those things, and and lots of times, then this is like I say, a very practical. I want I want I know that you all are going through things in your lives, and I want you to be able to say, how can I apply this practically? And one thing that I want to say is that that many times it will be in hindsight that these things are made clear, right? Like I don't want to I don't want to stand here. As though, like, I'm some super spiritual, like, I got it before the time came and, and, and it all made sense as we were going through the trials and lives. That's not true. Like, like y'all have heard me say that for, like, a year I would ride to work and I would look and there would be one car seat in the back, right? And I, and I would think in my mind, like, Lord, there's supposed to be two. Right? Like, there's supposed to be two back there. Like, like how do I make sense of these things? Right, so y'all know that, that 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 life is a struggle, and it's not only a struggle for all of you, but it's a struggle for those men who stand up here and preach God's word to you as well. So as as I reflect back on these events and I think about how God was doing this, 
right? One of the ways in which God does this is that God knows, like the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, practically, you don't know what tomorrow has. True? Who, who of you knows what tomorrow brings? The good or the bad? None of us know what tomorrow brings. God does. That should be absolutely reassuring to each and every one of us. It should be absolutely reassuring. And I want to tell you this. God knows what's coming for you, and he's preparing you today. And I think about this book, and, and I think about me even standing up here today and preaching God's word to you, and I reflect back on times that I was in, in my own personal study thinking, Lord, I've, you know, like I've read through the Bible from the start to the end. Like, you know, I've done different particular studies. Like, where would you have me study next? Right? Where would you have me study next? And I can remember him leading me to this book, and the book of Romans. And I can remember studying it for, you know, at least two years, probably three years, maybe even more than that, as my single place whenever I would go study. Like, I would be in the book of Romans. And I can remember reading through it a couple of different times. And every time that I would come to Romans 8 and 18, I can remember for for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit would draw me to that text. And I would, in my mind, consider, because up to the point of losing Allie, like, I want to be straight up honest with you, like, like, there was a fear in me that if I encountered anything that even looked close to something that Job had encountered, that I didn't know if my faith would stand, right? Like, I hoped that it would, but I didn't know that it would. Do y'all know what I mean when I say that? Like I, like I thought, I believe it, but man, I don't know to what extent, right? Like I don't know what extreme would cause me to be like, God, I don't, it don't make sense to me anymore, and I'm walking away. And I was very fearful in that. And I would come across texts like this, and there are, there are many texts throughout the New Testament that say things similar to this, that, that address suffering. And I would hit these passages of text, and I would be like, in my mind, I would say, I know that's true. Like, I know that's true. Like, in my head, I get it, right? Like, I know it's true. But I don't know it from experience. Right? Like I can look and I can see the life that Paul's lived. And I can see the things that Paul's gone through. And I can reflect on all of that and I can say, you know, I see all that Paul's dealt with. And I can see that based on the life Paul lives, this is a big statement for him to say. Right? You you go and look in the writings of Paul and you see where he boasts about things and he boasts about things like being shipwrecked, being beaten, being stoned, like just crazy life that this guy lived after coming to Christ. And I I would hit this text and I'd be like, I get where you're coming from, Paul. I see that whatever this glory is, whatever this hope is, that you've got your eyes fixed in, that it is amazing to you because I see what you've been through. But me, myself, I've avoided and dodged for much of my life what I would consider any kind of significant suffering, any kind of significant pain. And Lord, I don't know. And I can remember, I can remember having the conversations. Right? Like, this is what's absolutely insane. This is why I say that verse 26 and 27 plays out in a very real and practical way for us as believers. Because I can remember having the conversation in my head, fixating on this text. And like, Lord, I don't know. Like, like I, I get it, 
right? Like, like mentally, I get what you're saying there, but I, I, I've never experienced anything that I could actually reflect back and say with the same kind of like assuredness that Paul seems to be saying it here. And I'm talking the weeks in leading up to losing my daughter. God had me just digging in, praying about I did not know that I was praying for those days. I did not know that he himself, years ahead of time, as he led me to study this book, I did not know. I did not know, but the Spirit knows. And he does not lead us where he does not prepare us to go. So he led me in years of study, Years that I would come across this text and I've got no clue. In the week before we lost our daughter, I was in this text and I was praying. Like, I was kind of making deals. and Like, I would like to know a little bit, but not so much that it's really painful, right? Not some, like, like, don't let me go so far that I would reject, but, you know, like, show me something. Let me see in some way. Little did I know that all along He knew the path that our lives were heading for. And all along the way He's preparing us to endure those things. I want to tell you that the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you tonight is preparing. In your weakness, He is preparing. When you know not what to say, He is preparing. When you know not what you should be praying for, He is preparing for those things. This is how we can cling to that hope. Because He is doing the work ahead of time for us, church. We can know that we will step forward in glory because He's shown us each and every step along the way here that He is not leading us where He does not know. He is not leading us where He is not also preparing us to go. So know these things to be true. I'm going to read these two verses again and we're closing with this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I want you all to be preparing for next week. I want you all to be reading ahead. Let us just read this that we're going to get into next week. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Don't be afraid of words, church. These words are going to give us some comforting hope. To be conformed to the image of His Son. You have been predestined for that in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, 
be also glorified. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you that you have sent him to rescue us. I thank you that you have given to us a glimpse in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we might see the way that we will live in eternity. Lord, that we will live there in full reliance on your Spirit. And we will walk with you. We will talk with you. We will sit down at the table and eat with you. And I am not making allusions to visions. I am making statements of truth, Lord. That we will see your face. We will touch the hands that were nailed to a cross for us. That we will see you face to face. And we will walk with you. Because we've been made in the image of you. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue working in our lives. Lord, that... You would be preparing us today for the days to come. Lord, let us know that it's true that in our weakness we find strength in you. That you will not lead us where you have not prepared us. Lord, let our eyes be opened to those things. Let us know that today that you're preparing us. And I thank you, Lord, that when we know not what to say, you say the perfect words in accordance to the perfect will of the God of all creation. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that the darkest day broke, broke through into the brightest of hope. 